Hello, my name is Anthony Treble and welcome to Season 2 of the My Mental Mates Podcast, where I speak to guests about their journey with mental health and everything that comes with it. I'm doing this in line with running the London Marathon, raising money and awareness for mind. If you'd like to donate, you can do so using the link in the bio. As is the case with all episodes, there may be some bad language and also some stuff people may find triggering. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the My Mental Mates podcast. It is season two and we are starting off with a great guest. Uh, we have my friend Rachel Daniel. Um, we met on, well, on race day, basically, um, of the 2019 marathon. We were running for Mind, the Paris. And if you've listened to mine and Kerry's chat, you'll know that we ran the start together. So thanks for coming on, Rachel. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming um Rachel's been really helpful with the podcast she's been helping out with some stuff behind the scenes as well um she's someone who I really enjoy like their zest for life like your Instagram and stuff you're always active you're always doing stuff and yeah I love that it's, it's very positive um so thank you for coming on so to start the podcast uh this season we're going to do things slightly different I'm going to ask a couple of questions uh, first of all where are you from I am from a town called Totten. Um, most people have never heard of it. It is between the New Forest and Southampton. So it depends who are. Some people I tell them I'm from the New Forest. Some people I say Southampton. <laughs> Just which one you want to sound posher on. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, your favourite place in the world? Um, I'd say Vietnam. Um, Vietnam. Vietnam stole my heart. How long were you there for? Um, about three and a half weeks I was only meant to be there about two and a half weeks um, and I was having such a great time I changed my flights to come home which was one of the most spontaneous things I've ever done <laughs> and then my last and most important question your favorite topping on pizza oh sorry to the Italians but it's got to be a Hawaiian so I am also sorry to the Italians but mine's pepperoni and pineapple Oh, that's an interesting mix. I do like a bit of tuna with pineapple, which a lot of people turn their noses up to. I'm not sure I can go that far. <laughs> sure, I'm not sure I'm ready for that, but yeah, pepperoni pineapple, try it. Trust me. It's an improvement on ham and pineapple. Okay, I'll give it a And go. I think at a minute, you know, considering what happened at the weekend, fuck Italians. <laughs> <laughs> we like Italians, but just not at the minute. No. So let's, uh, let's crack on with your story. Um, we've obviously had a chat about about what's gone on for you how long ago did it start um so I'd say during university um I'd say up until that moment my life was was great I had nothing to complain about really um came from a stable home and um sort of I wouldn't say we were rich we weren't poor had nice family holidays every year had lots of hobbies um, lots of friends and then I went off to university to train to be a teacher and it all started. <laughs> so what were you, so what did you do your university degree in? Any? Um, well I actually did it in primary education so it was a four-year degree. Um, it's now been made a three-year degree once the fees went up to the 9k a year but um, yeah it was a four-year degree. And this was something you've always wanted to do Yep. And um, I remember at university, um, 
we had a girl in my course, her mum was a head teacher and she came in to do mock interviews with us in our final year. Um, and she said to us, whatever you do in an interview, don't say you've always wanted to be a teacher because that's not true. No one has. And I'm sat there thinking, no, for me, it really has. When I was 11, I used to get prospectuses sent to my house from like University of Winchester <laughs> to find out about their teacher training. And um, I did my year 10 work experience in my junior school. Um, yeah, my career was always going to be being a teacher and nothing else ever crossed my mind so it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself going into into a degree knowing that you've been wanting to do it for 11 years um since you were 11 did that did that weigh on your mind at all or? no I think because I was just so set and I um had loved my year 10 work experience to get onto my degree you had to volunteer in a school um I think you had to do 10 days or something before but for about my last year of college um, or sixth form I volunteered every Thursday because I just loved being in that environment so much so to me um nothing could have gone wrong and why would I ever want to leave that profession so so where did it go wrong for you was it did it start at university or? Yeah, so um, so um, without going into too, too many details, I think when I started university, um, mentally I probably wasn't in the greatest of places. It was a really exciting time, but um, it's when sort of my parents um, first separated and um, going to uni was quite hard because I had this sort of emotional baggage, but I didn't want to be that girl on that first night of freshers um, crying her eyes out. So I didn't tell anyone. Um, and then I was about two months in on a night out and um, after one too many drinks and vodka revs, just whoo, floodgates open, um, told my, my friend Sophie, who's still very much a, a good friend now. Um, and then um, first year of uni was, was okay, had a nice time, um, did a placement, which I loved um, and then it was second year my placement where um, I think that was when I had my eyes open to how much one person could hurt you um, and that was my mentor on my placement who um, was just a nasty person um, from my feedback from my first placement I knew that I wasn't a bad teacher until I got great feedback, but she couldn't say anything nice about my lessons. Um, we were in pairs with someone else from our, our university course. Um, and I used to drive my sort of teaching partner and I every day, and we used to get to the gates and just sort of look at each other and say, should we just turn around? Because she was just a vile person to both of us. Um, when my tutor from university used to come in and observe us, they would have very heated discussions about our feedback on completely different pages, almost of whether we were good teachers or not. Um, and she just made me feel really rubbish, essentially. Um, so then I sort of had my confidence knocked and just thought, is this for me? Um, and then there was also the workload side of things too, where um, I think and so I'm sure I'll touch on it later where teaching is it's not a job it's a lifestyle and I didn't want to go home and spend th another three hours planning and marking when my friends were also still at university going out every night and of course I knew I couldn't go out while I was on placements but you know I could have sat in at pre-drinks or something or gone out for meals but no it was marking and planning marking and planning and that was sort of 
it's, it's weird that. to think like they've got someone in to to do your placement with who just clearly hates new people like exactly yeah um I just I don't understand like sort of when I was throughout my degree I, even when I was having my doubts I still it was something I looked forward to when I could be a mentor myself and have sort of this new person to teaching and, and show them the way and inspire them that she clearly had other ideas do you think she had been like bogged down by the job or just wasn't a very nice person um that's a good question um I don't know really um I think even in my sort of darkest days when I was teaching I still wouldn't have been nasty to anyone and made them feel rubbish um I, I like to think I'm a pretty good actress at putting on a brave face and pretending everything's okay. Maybe she she couldn't do that. I don't know. But um, so yeah. obviously at this at this point, your, your parents have you know they've been separated a year. You're you're away at university. I assume was it was it local or was it? Um, I was in Reading, so I was about an hour away, which okay. was a, a nice distance to feel far enough from home, but also be away from home. But, but there's still a lot of change, and then yeah. you're going into your dream you know your dream job basically um and second year in and and someone's making you feel like that how how did you deal with that on a day-to-day basis um well I just I wanted to drop out um I decided that that wasn't the life for me and I remember my mum came to visit um my friend Sophie and my friend Sarah were there and we wrote a pros and cons list of whether I should drop out of my degree or not um and um the pros for dropping out was pretty long um because I was just thinking of every possible reason I was working at leisure center at at the time part-time which I loved um knew that um I could get a full-time job there quite easily but as someone halfway through their degree um no disrespect to anyone who works in in leisure centers but I could have gone on to do something more than that um so um yeah I just didn't really know know what to do but in the end they managed to convince me to to stick out the degree um which I did and how did it how did it go for the rest of the um so the third year was fine um I did two placements that were great I did an SCN placement which was incredibly rewarding um and a mainstream placement um and then in my fourth and final year um I was very fortunate and was selected to go to Finland on a placement, um, which was incredible. Um, However, it made me really see how their education system is so much more superior to ours. And if it works in Finland, why can't we replicate it here? So again, those those alarm bells were going. Um, I also had the issue in my fourth year that um, where all my friends who weren't on my course had done three-year courses, they'd all moved on with their lives and I'm still stuck in Reading. Um, they're earning proper money and things. Um, and there I am still a student. So that that was hard as well. Um, and I was, I was quite lonely in my last year. Um, used to phone my mum a lot, which is always when she knows I'm lonely. <laughs> um, so yeah, there were a lot of challenges in that last year, um, but I had a really good final placement, um, a great mentor, um, he was really supportive. I'm still in touch with a, a, one of the teachers from that school now. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a very different experience. Um, sort of, and I went into my well, I left, finished my degree, and went into my first teaching job. 
first day how did you feel excited um i think after the last placement i was almost converted workload aside um i was sort of eager and fresh out of uni and keen to teach had a great first class um i couldn't fault them at all and how how long did that last that <laughs> well so um the, the kids were great at the school was a really unique school um they had a, a three teacher model um so for anyone who doesn't know what that means um there were three teachers in the class no ta three teachers and the whole year group it was two form entry so 60 pupils three teachers in one classroom um being the naive newly qualified teacher I was for when I applied I thought like how wonderful my first year of teaching having two qualified experienced teachers um in in my classroom like I'll be able to learn so much from them they'll be able to constantly give me feedback advice criticism whatever um little did I know that I'd be one of 12 newly qualified teachers working at that school and throughout the year I was the only consistent teacher um, in that class so I worked with five other teachers throughout that year um, all except two were NQTs as well um, so that was that was tough on all of us, like adapting every time someone new came in, trying to get to know them, trying to be consistent for the kids. Um, yeah, I was going to say like that can't be, that can't be good for them like that. No, not at all. Um, and the management was very interesting at that school. Um, barely heard from the head teacher. Um, we didn't get our rights we should have had as an NQT, but it was very much fighting a losing battle. Um, so workload was okay, but I decided then um, I'll finish my NQT at that school and then I will go to London and live the London life. <laughs> the, the London dream. Yeah, but like the American dream, I guess. Yeah, I've done that myself. Um, and I'm now back in Norwich. Yeah, and I'm uh, back, at, back in Twitter. <laughs> so, so how long were you there? Like, how did that go there then? Um, so I started, well, the interview was interesting. That should have been my first red flag. Um, I, it was just a very informal chat with the head teacher. Um, and she offered me the job at the end of this sort of half an hour chat. And I even said to her, like, do you not want to see me teach? Because sort of everything we'd learned at uni was that the teaching part of your interview is just as important as the Q&A side of things. Um, so that I should have seen that as a red flag, but she said no, offered me the job. Um, I was offered to be sort of head of PE as well, which was great and quite unheard of for someone in their um, sort of second year of teaching. Um, and then started and within a few days, I just, my mood plummeted. Um, it was really different. My first school, I had lots of friends, lots of people my age. This school, everyone had been there years. Um, I wouldn't say it was clicky, but there were sort of clear friendship groups and it was just lonely. Like after school, I would just sit, mark my 90 books. Um, and as time went on, the workload increased and I just got to the point where I was, I'd say I was just 
existing really what 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 effect did that have on your mental health it was terrible I literally had nights where I didn't sleep and sort of you know when you hear someone say like oh I didn't get any sleep last night and you know it turns out they did fall asleep at 2 a.m so they didn't get quite their eight hours but I would have nights where I wouldn't sleep at all because I'd be worrying about safeguarding issues with pupils um I'd be thinking oh gosh that lesson isn't quite all, all singing or dancing just in case um I have a they called it I think a a drop in it was a bit like a, a surprise observation where someone from senior leadership would just come in and um observe you and give you feedback so every lesson had to be sort of Ofsted level outstanding just in case you're observed um so I just felt like there weren't enough hours in the day and I just couldn't cope with the amount of work I had to do um like the marking the planning the resources the differentiation the responsibility I had with PE um and I just felt like a failure really because I'd say like, I'm pretty strong and confident person I'm certainly sensitive but I'm I'm confident most of the time and um I just felt like I didn't know how to cope um there'd be days where I wouldn't shower for several days um thing I think that sounds most ridiculous is there were one or two days where I would finally have time to eat my cereal bar about 4 p.m after a whole day of teaching and that was my breakfast which to me just sounds ridiculous like how did I not have two minutes to eat a cereal bar like could I not have multitasked but I didn't um I lost lots of weight because I was getting home and just going straight to bed so I was physically and mentally exhausted and um yeah what was there support like at the school did they did they know how you were feeling whether I was feeling like that or no I think um I think if I'd had like a close friend there like I did in my previous school someone would have picked up on it but I think I just as I said earlier I can be a good actress if I need to be so just I put on a brave face and just thought like you know well I just it's just part of the job I just have to get on with it really suck it up and you know I hate to say man up but man up and just do what I've been employed to do and what I'm paid to do um and then there was an occasion where I remember crying to the head teacher but I think that might have been just after I'd handed in my notice because she was I think quite shocked that I had handed in my notice um and then so, I was in- so how long had it been since you'd been there that you handed in your notice not long at all <laughs> um half a term so um I don't know how much you know about teaching jobs um you can only really leave unless there's a special agreement with your head teacher um at the end of the Christmas term, the Easter term, or sort of the summer term. Um, and you have to give in majority of schools, you have to give half a term's notice. So um, if I wanted to be out by Christmas, um, I had to hand it in October half term and I ummed and ard and I ummed and ard. And in the end, I think I just thought I have to do this. I don't know if I'll be here at the end of the year. Otherwise, if I don't don't do it, I couldn't go on. Well, what do you mean by that? You don't know if you'll be here. Like I just couldn't see how I could carry on with with life with with that much of a workload, a lack of social life, not eating. Like, you know, I didn't know if I'd be hospitalised physically, mentally, 
I was barely drinking anything like with my kidneys fell like it sounds so dramatic now I think but I just I was in such a bad way I, I didn't really know how to look after myself and when you're in a new place obviously you want to go out and explore and in London obviously there's so much to do but you're yeah exactly and paid so in. much for London rent and there was there was no point me being in London because I wasn't wasn't able to enjoy myself um and like there was the odd time where I meet friends for like curry or something in an evening but then it's that guilt of oh when I go home I'm still gonna have to mark another 30 books and um yeah I think guilt was a big thing as well like I felt because of the state I was in I couldn't give my pupils what they needed and I remember one day a mum came in and said um change the name of her child um she says uh, Johnny knows you don't like him I'm thinking sorry what yeah she he, he tells me that you're you're always like shouting at him and like, I wasn't a shouty teacher I don't believe that shouting gets you anywhere um but I know that Johnny certainly tested my patience at times so then it's that guilt as well of because of the way I'm feeling not that I'm taking out on the children necessarily but it's coming out and yeah are they being impacted by it as well yeah and so you you handed in your notice after well, a month and a half two months yeah probably about yeah eight weeks ish yeah that that, that, that takes some takes some doing you know you, you've gone on this journey you've said yeah right I'm moving to London I'm becoming a teacher there I'm doing doing my thing that I've wanted to do since I was 11 yeah and then it was gone yeah what um, happened what came after was it did you go back to teaching elsewhere did you no I was very very fortunate that um throughout university I'd worked um a summer camp in the UK so very much like Camp America but UK based so um I'd already worked there for four or five summers um and it had been mentioned a few times that the owners would like me to work for them full time. And I always said, let me teach for like at least five years first so I can at least put my degree to some use. Um, and then after a bad day, this is before I handed in my notice, because I did make sure I had something to go to because obviously paying rent in London, you can't can't be jobless. Um, and yeah, I just had a bad day. So I emailed one of the, the directors and just sort of said like, any any full time roles going, and fortunately they they saved me. So <laughs> said, before before we get onto your time at like the the camp, I actually done some research earlier on teachers. So within three years, twenty five percent of new teachers leave. Yes, yeah, shocking. Um, and a survey of ten thousand teachers this year, thirty five percent said they would not be teachers by twenty twenty six. And 66% of all teachers felt the status of the job had become worse, um, with 54% citing the government yeah. and 52 also saying um, workload. Yeah. That yeah. is a crazy high number. I thought, you know, it could be 5 10%, 25% after three yeah. years. It's is a terrifying. huge turnover, considering there is a four-year course for it. You know, people spend a lot of time investing in it. Yeah. How, in your eyes, do you think they're going to be able to change that? Um, million dollar question. I think if it wasn't for my time in Finland, I'd say I don't really know. However, having experienced that 
time in Finland, um, teachers arrive after the pupils arrive, they go home as soon as that bell goes, they teach from books. Um, when I first heard about that, I thought, you know, oh, a bit lazy, but every child in the country follows the same curriculum. Um, they have SEN classes, but they don't necessarily differentiate in the classroom, um, which again, I don't know how it works, but it does. Um, there are government run clubs in Finland for teachers. I stayed with a host fam well, two host families while I was there. And one of them, um, one of the mums was a teacher. I used to go to a dance club with her twice a week, um, paid for by the government for teachers. Um, it's just, yeah, I think something needs to be done first. It terrifies me having my own children, um, knowing what I went through. Um, the little attention you can give your class when there's 30 children in there. Um, and then um, I'm part of a Facebook group um, called Life After Teaching, Exit the Classroom and Thrive. Um, I joined it last year um, when it was quite new. There are only 100, 200 people in it. Um, I looked just before our call. Um, so it's been going just over a year. There are 23,000 people in it. Um, people who have either left want to leave or are stuck um and i've also got friends who are stuck because they've got mortgages now um teaching although you're working a lot of that well forget the hours you work it's not a poorly paid job unless you work out how many hours you're working to get that but if you've been teaching five ten years to find a job with a salary like that and something new is, is almost impossible. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot of friends who are stuck because they've got mortgages. Um, teaching again has its perks in some schools, not all, where you can go part-time after you've had children. So that makes it attractive compared to other jobs. But then a lot of posts on this group, uh, people saying they've gone part-time, but they actually find then on their, their days off they're just working from home. Um, so yeah, I think it all comes down to the workload. It's, as I said earlier, it is a lifestyle. It's not a career and it's not a sustainable lifestyle. I've said previously on this podcast, I do think we've got the work-life balance wrong in this country. And I, you know, I've spoken to people from numerous countries. I've not traveled loads, but I've spoken, like I know people from different cultures yeah. and there's very few where, it's as relentless as ours is, you know, it's our culture. And, you know, I've worked in places where it's been really good, where they say, you know, say you, you finish at five, you know, yeah. I've, I've had a manager where I've been working at like quarter past five and they're like, go home. Like yeah. you've done your day. Whereas other places expect you to be working longer. Yeah. Um, I um, used to see so the second school I taught at briefly. <laughs> Um, I used to arrive about 6.30 in the morning and I was one of the last teachers to arrive and then I would leave about 6pm but then I'd often take 30, 60, 90 books home to the mark once I was at home and I'd only be leaving because I just needed to get out of there otherwise I could have been there till nine o'clock at night like that is that is no life and people say to me like what money would you take to go back to teaching and pay me a million pounds a year still wouldn't go back like money doesn't buy happiness it's having a, a life that can give you that happiness in my opinion yeah. we're in when you know we're we're living in the best time in life you know we should be able to enjoy it you know 
obviously work hard when your hours are there but yeah you know we're not here to just work our whole life and you know this is part of what I I like about you is that you know you you clearly live life you know you do very my best (laughs) um so you've gone on to the camp stuff now and yeah after that did that change things for you mentally yeah definitely and I think it wasn't until I was a few months into my new job that I sort of took a step back and really realized how rock bottom things were um and just you know going to bed and waking up in the morning and thinking like oh like I didn't even look at the clock once I must have just got into bed closed my eyes and fallen asleep like like any human should do and get to bed without any worries and stresses um so yeah those little things it's such a like like such a key point of you know when you're feeling like anyone who's suffered anxiety depression or anything like that they will know they're not feeling right by the amount they sleep like I know if I'm going to bed and I'm able to I mean I'm I'm really boring I go to bed and I listen to politics live sometimes because it just helps me sleep yeah just just having like voices distract distracts me enough I don't really care enough about what they're saying to be interested (laughs) but like sometimes I can be out within like 10 minutes and then when my anxiety is bad you know this is three four o'clock in the morning yeah tossing and turning yeah I'm exactly yeah. exactly the same it's for me like sleep is one of the best indicators of measuring what my mental health is like hello just quickly interrupting proceedings uh, to let you know this season I have joined forces with a mental health startup called Tally Uh, In anticipation of their huge app launch, Tally has decided to record their own podcast called the Tally Talk Podcast. Uh, The mental health startup hosts weekly anonymous conversations around society's most stigmatised subjects. Um, The Tally Talk Podcast also gives people with lived experiences the opportunity to speak openly, honestly and freely on hard-hitting topics such as sexual abuse, addiction and abortion while staying anonymous. Uh, you can dive into the podcast today uh, and check out this year's most exciting mental health startup as featured in Forbes magazine by searching tally.app, that's T-A-L-L-E-Y dot app, on all other major streaming and social media platforms. So yeah, go check them out, I recommend them. So after that, you know, you're sleeping better. Are you still in that job now? No, so um, I I was there for four years, um, had a great time. Um, I progressed sort of career-wise. By the end, I was managing summer camp, or a summer camp, which was great. Um, Something when I started as a 19-year-old, sort of never thought I'd have a team. I think I had a team of 38, um, 125 kids in my care. Um, So pretty proud of that um got some great travel opportunities um i used to go to paris and milan every year to attend expos got to go to dubai at one point so it was great um but i'd always had a regret of not having a gap year before or after uni so um november 2019 i um left the the summer camp role um to hopefully what I thought would be two years traveling the world <laughs> did obviously I know a pandemic would happen <laughs> the big c word yeah <laughs> hit 
and you were uh, you were abroad at the time, wasn't it? Yep. So I was in Italy, um, in Cormea, doing a ski season. Um, we knew COVID was happening um, from you know brief things we'd seen on the news. Um, it was pretty rife in Italy, but not where we were. Um, and I went from living my best life one day, like I'd honestly say, like happiest I've ever been in my whole life, to um, getting a phone call to say you've got clients arriving in resort, um, but the mountains have been closed by the Italian government and uh, you're going to have to send all these people back to the airport once we put them on flights and you'll be going home and within two days we were home. That's a big, it's a big emotional come down. Yeah, and I was not ready for it and I'd, I'd say I'm still not over it now. Um, like sometimes my mum says to me, not not in a bad way but you know like you still managed to get in two-thirds of the season and you still went to Cambodia and Vietnam and much worse things happen but to me like I love traveling so much just need to look at my Instagram to know how much I love it um and yeah that was taken away from me and it's something I'd always wanted to do yeah I mean that's it's certainly something I've you know I've never had the opportunity to do is to travel but you know I've always had that I mean I, I got a, a taste of it doing you know a Kentucky tour in America for 12 days yeah and it was just it was just amazing meeting different people yeah seeing different places and there is like I was same as you I was so happy on that at that time and it was it's like any holiday but this just felt like yeah. it felt different to a normal holiday because I was yeah. traveling around I was meeting people and and then I came back and you know I, I was back into my day-to-day -day job so yeah. for me that was bad but you've you know you were planning to be away for two years COVID hit your back what did you do for so you got a normal job didn't you use at Tesco's or is it Tesco yeah um which very grateful, yeah very grateful for the opportunity to have something to do every day um I thought I would just be there for about six weeks so um when I came home from Italy um it was about six weeks before I was meant to go to America originally if I had done the full ski season it would have been a week or so sort of turnaround um so at that point covid was you know still bad around the world but i thought of course you know it'll be over in six weeks time and i'll, I'll go to america um but now i was a, a picker at tesco for 11 months in the end before i finally admitted defeat and decided i wasn't going to be able to resume my travels anytime soon and i should start my next career my third career <laughs> so so what is that third career now um so I work at an independent school in the development office so I am back in education um but I do a bit of fundraising events um essentially I keep the alumni of the school engaged from when they leave um so talking of fundraising takes me on to the final thing I really want to discuss with you <laughs> London Marathon 2019 what made you do it um I've always wanted to run the marathon just in the same way I'd always wanted to be a teacher <laughs> um and after eight years of applying for the ballot I decided that I probably won't ever have any luck with a ballot place so I thought I will try a charity place um and because of my own mental health over the last 
couple of years prior to that, um, sort of things in my family. Um, I think something just clicked in my mind of mental health is a real problem in our country. And um, yeah, I don't know if it was just sort of experiences closer to home that really made me realize that we need to do something about it and we need to talk more and things like that. So I thought I'll apply to mind. Um, and luckily they, they offered me a, a place. It is, it is amazing how um, obviously that, that whole group still, still pretty chatty to each other. We've yeah. stayed in contact. Um, whenever anyone needs help, they'll go to that group. You Definitely. Know, yeah, like, and at numerous occasions. Um, and, uh, you know, my, you know, what I, what I try and do with this, what I try and do with, you know, I'm running again this year is to take that environment and take it to the, to the outer world. Yeah. Because the people we've got in that group, um, it's crazy. Like I've probably, I've not even met probably a third of them in person. Um, yeah, I can have something happening in my life and I think sometimes with friends they don't always get what you've been through um and you know like with things that have happened in the last few months sort of at home tell a friend and you get a response oh I'm sure once Covid's over like it will all be okay and sort of think no it's got nothing to do with Covid You, you have no idea but within the mind group everyone's got their own story and you sometimes you don't even want advice you just need to offload and it's it's the place to do it in my opinion and I feel very grateful to have this group of people that I can talk to with my with my problems it's yeah I mean I I've obviously posted recently um and in there and straight away I think I I, my inbox just lit up basically people just making sure I was all right you know they were commenting on that but those those messaging me you know personally as well and it's it's yeah it's just it's a real amazing thing and obviously we we got to share the day together yes at the start line I think that was the first time we we probably met yeah <laughs> um, us and Leanne I think wasn't it um yeah. going over that that start line and and that was nice as well with although there were obviously thousands of people there just like sort of knowing people to go over that start line with that was a a special moment I think London Marathon it was a bit anticlimactic going over the start line I think I was expecting fireworks and things and it's almost (laughs) the same as the finish line but it was just great going over the start line with with you and Leanne and yeah I think that definitely that definitely helped me out on the day like I I mean I was to be fair like before the race I was like really chilled out I was laying down eating my peanut butter and jam sandwich which was probably (laughs) not the, the best thing to do um but yeah like when you're on that start line you just realize oh crap I've got to run 20 <laughs> it's nice to look to, like it's nice to look to the to the left ear and see someone that you know and, you know that you've been talking to and they're, they're going to go through the same thing yeah what um, an experience it was <laughs> are you going to do it again I hope so my knees aren't in a, a good way at the moment um so I need to sort my knees out um and then get get back to running but it's certainly good for the mind running and um there are days when I think oh I wish I could just put my trainers on but I know I wouldn't make it to the end of my drive without my knee <laughs> hurting so what, what are you doing at the minute for you to improve your mental health to keep it 
Um, so going to the gym, so I've got a personal trainer. Um, so I see her once a week, she's fantastic. Um, and I really like the accountability I've got with her, like weekly check-ins and things. Um, and then um, I've just bought a road bike. So that's nice Nice to and go And you've got some beautiful there. areas near you to, yeah. to go out yeah. on the bike. Um, and then also I think just doing things for myself like I feel like I'm at this stage in life at 30 next year still very very single uh, back living at home and friends are at very different stages now like my best friend's pregnant uh, I've got friends that are married lots of friends owning houses and it's just people aren't as available to do things as they used to be um so I do, you think, feel, yeah, do you feel pressure from that like all your friends being at I think there is pressure I think especially for people like yourself who love traveling yeah like, it's a different it's a different mindset like you don't you don't yeah. feel like you need to settle down now but when you're back home with your friends do you do you feel like oh maybe I am I am I doing the right thing or yes and no um I very much like to do my own thing like I've traveled a few places on my own because not in a selfish way but it's just nice sometimes doing what I want when I want when I'm away like if I think oh I want lunch now I'll have lunch if I want to do a tour I'll go on a tour that sort of thing um but then like this weekend um classic example of not being able to find anyone to come with me but I didn't stop myself um I went to the Brecon Beacons climbed a mountain on my own um um, but then I did get to the top looked around saw lots of couples felt very (laughs) jealous got a bit teary which is really pathetic and just thought that's what I want um so yeah a bit of both like I I don't necessarily want to be tied down with someone um I don't want to have to think about childcare, things like that anytime soon but it would just be nice to have a companion I guess to someone someone to share it with yeah exactly you're obviously quite an independent person and like you know you're quite obviously quite happy on your own but yeah, yeah best of both worlds would be nice a weekend boyfriend <laughs> just uh yeah just put the advertisement needed every other weekend yeah. <laughs> i think you'll be all right with that i'm sure you will um so this the last section which we always get to enjoy is is music um is is it something you're you frequently use for your mental health yeah, um, I have a playlist called Tunes. <laughs> it's got all sorts of random things on from musicals to country to cheesy pop to stuff from the 70s. Um, it's nice to have a fellow country fan, aren't <laughs> Don't ask me any country singers. I won't be able to tell you. <laughs> I'm terrible with lyrics as well. But no, I'm, like, I think music's always been sort of a big part of my family. None of us are musical, but we've always listened to music in the car things like that so um yeah sometimes it's just nice to put your headphones on and go for a walk always have music on in the car I always find it it's like company when I'm driving I was say um, is it like company for you when you're when you've like been on your travels and like climbing a mountain by yourself I, I see I didn't take my headphones and I did regret it actually at times I thought sometimes when I'm alone like that my mind can wander um and sometimes I think oh I should listen to music right now so it's not wandering so much <laughs> I, I tried a, a long run once without headphones and I, I regretted it about 20 minutes in I was like this is nice and then I was like 
this is not nice this is no, not it, where I want to be <laughs> I found say when I used to run with music that I'd get home and I'd think to myself I don't know if I could actually name a single song I've listened to it was just there if that makes sense so then when I was training towards the end of my training um I started listening to podcasts because I felt then I had to listen to know what was happening yeah um yeah when you're two hours in listening to music it does get a bit annoying as well like podcasts <laughs> podcasts are a lot better especially when you're doing long runs like yeah there's no way on Sundays that I listen to any music I might listen to music on like the final 10 minutes to yeah get me through but um yeah nice no, uh I mean, I was listening to, I got the Calm app, meditation app. Yeah. I tried listening to some of their sleep music the other night. Honestly, it had the, it had the opposite effect because oh, I was yeah. just I was just laying there and it was, it was very relaxing music, but I ended up questioning my whole life. It's almost like full centre music. Something yeah, it was just like, I was just sort of went into a, like a, a trance and I was like, oh my God, have I... Have I done this throughout my life? Should I have done more? <laughs> it's like, well, God, I was like, I'm not using that again. Oh. <laughs> so what, um, obviously we've got the playlist. So for anyone who's not listened, I have a playlist, which I started at the beginning of lockdown. Um, and it was just music that made me feel good, made me reflect on things, made me relax, made me feel, basically made me feel anything. Um, and when I was struggling, I often chucked it on whilst doing the dishes in the evening or just sat in my chair and just listened to it and it helped out um once you've listened to the same playlist for six months it gets a bit repetitive so I'm using this as an opportunity to grow my playlist um and it is available on Spotify and Apple uh called my mental mates hit the reset button um so what song would you like to add I would like to add you're a superstar by loving loving I think I know that one. It's the song um, Tom used when he made a video montage of all of our photos. I think it was from the marathon. Are you going to sing it for us or? No. (laughs) People people will stop listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a really inspiring song, I think. And there's a line in it that says, think of all the friends you made. And for me, that's key with our mind group. Um, Lovely. Love that. Without you guys. The marathon experience wouldn't have been anything that it was. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm running this year, and it's you know, there's a lot of the same people in there, but I I, I think it will be hard to, to top that 2019 feeling because I think a lot of us were fairly new to marathon running as well, yeah. and I think that's why we we bonded quite a lot, and I think most of us had stuff going on at the time as well, like we're all in yeah. the midst of quite a lot of shit <laughs> so we all bonded quite quite quickly definitely <laughs> so that is it you've you've made it through your your story thanks for so much for coming on for um i really appreciate it thanks for being so open about teaching and stuff i'm, I'm sure this is going to help a lot of people because you know the stats don't lie there there are thousands of other people in this situation so um well done on on getting out when you Thank when you. you knew it wasn't right and if um just one thing if I can add that to anyone who's thinking of leaving there are so many careers out there you can go into and so many transferable skills so just just do it and you won't regret it and hopefully you'll get to finish off your chapter at some point yeah fingers crossed okay well thanks very much thank you 
what a great episode to start season two off. I think you'll agree. Uh, thanks to Rachel there for sharing her experience uh, and also being a great guest to let me get rid of some of the cobwebs. I have not done this for a couple of months, as I'm sure you'll be able to tell, but we'll, it's all part of the journey for me. Um, so if you'd like to follow my London Marathon progress, uh, you can do so by following me on Instagram with the handle Trebs Road to LM2021. Trebs spelled T R E W B S. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another fantastic guest.